When the apostles, Barnabas and Paul, heard of this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd, shouting, Friends, why are we doing this? We too are only human like you. We are bringing you good news, telling you to turn from these worthless things to the living God, who made heaven and earth and sea and nations. Sea and everything, sorry, in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way. Yet he has not shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, provides you with plenty of food, and fills you, your hearts with joy. Even with these words, they are difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Then some of the Jews came from Antioch and Icomen, and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul and dragged him outside the city, thinking he was dead. But after the disciples had gathered round him, he got up and went back into the city. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby. They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. Then they returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. Paul and Barnabas appointed elders for them in each march, church, and with prayer and fasting. He committed them to the Lord, in whom they had put their trust. From Attila they sailed back to Antioch, where they had been committed for the grace of God for the work they had now completed. On arriving there, they gathered the church together and reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened the door of faith to the Gentiles. This is the word of the Lord. So, the first thing I'd like you to do this morning is just to stop and think for a minute about a time or a place when you felt close to God outside of a church building. It might have been a moment when you encountered nature and it was just stunning and amazing and took your breath away. Perhaps seeing a baby for the first time, holding hands with a person in need, or maybe just, well, not just, maybe experiencing God, God's transforming power in your life. Okay, I want you to hold on to those thoughts. They might kind of not seem relevant in some ways to what I'm going to talk about, but I'm going to come back to them a bit later, and, um, and hopefully they'll be, it, it will, will, will make sense. So, as um, David's already said, we're partway through our sermon series on Acts at the moment. Um, we've looked at how Jesus' friends, basically the disciples, coped when he'd after his death and resurrection and then going back to heaven and how the church has grown in that time. We've used Peter. Very, Peter's been the rock of the church and um, Paul has come to know God in a very dramatic way. And he sets out on his first mission journey, which Tom talked about a little bit last week. And I'm doing the second part of John's first mission journey. Okay, I'm sorry, Paul's first mission journey. Um, 
Unfortunately, my computer's not working, so I've had to go back to old-fashioned methods. I was going to try an experiment with doing some pictures, but um, because it's not, I've gone back to old-fashioned use of props, so you'll have to bear with me, and I hope they'll be of some use to you. Anyway, that explains my bag, and the first thing that I'm going to bring out is this, my old boot, my walking boot. I can see it. <laughs> <laughs> it's not that smelly, believe me. I don't know, though, the sock might be. Um, I guess for me that this boot has accompanied me on some of those times when I've felt closest to God. Walking in beautiful places, camping with friends and on my own in the past. Um, and these days, sharing those experiences with my family in a completely different way. However... Paul and Barnabas would have had access, would not have had access to such comfortable boots nearly 2,000 years ago when they embarked on their journey. The terrain would have been tough. Lystra and Derb, where most, where most of today's passage is based, is on what would have today been the border between Turkey and Syria an area we may well have seen in the news over recent years. Back then, the area was called Galatia and was under Roman control. Today's refugee camps were not there, but life was still tough as the Romans ruled with a paranoid iron grip. The mountainous terrain for Paul and Barnabas on their journey with basic clothing and primitive, if any, footwear, would have been unforgiving. But the two arrive in Lystra, and just before our passage starts, Paul heals a crippled man who we are told had a problem with both feet and had never walked. We are told that his faith healed him, and he jumped up and began to walk. Pretty amazing stuff. The crowd who saw and heard about this erupted into worshipping Paul and Barnabas as gods and offering them sacrifices. I don't know if it struck you, but the reading actually had a bit of a bizarre beginning with them. It kind of said, but when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard about this, they tore their clothes and rushed out into the crowd. And they were talking about the crowd's response to, to this healing they didn't want to be worshipped, they didn't want to be idolised, and they didn't want sacrifices to be made towards them. Anyway, the next thing I've got in my bag is this. Hey, the best team in the Premiership, Southampton Football Club. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Anyone got to disagree with me? Mark, where are you? Do you agree with me? <laughs> How strongly is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. As a Southampton fan, I would disagree. Isn't it interesting, though, how one football scarf can create such a reaction? Particularly for me, becoming from Southampton, I've probably only been to Portsmouth a few times that I could count on my fingers. And that's, that's really bad, isn't it? If, if someone asked me, I'd say Portsmouth is a terrible place. I'm really sorry for people from Portsmouth. <laughs> but it's, um, it's one of those things, isn't it? how we're swayed by crowds, how we're brought up with a popular opinion. And so that's the kind of crazy stuff we do. We don't go to Portsmouth or we 
sometimes hurl abuse at people that come from there and, and worse when those two football clubs play. And that's actually wrong, isn't it? That's not good. Crowds can be a powerful force. The first thing that struck me about the situation with Paul and Barnabas was the integrity that they showed. They were completely unaffected by the crowd and kept their focus on God. We've kind of, as humans, got a bit of a temptation to be likes. And I wonder how many of us might actually kind of quietly enjoy that kind of reaction. Maybe not, but maybe we would, because that's quite a human way to be if we look at social media and how much people like to be liked and followed and things today. But without question, Paul and Barnabas attribute the power of the healing of the crippled man and, in fact, the power to provide an influence through nature solely to God. But, they, but also, as I reflected on the passage, I thought about how that related to our current position as a church. It gave me some thoughts about how we view leadership, particularly at this time of vacancy. We say goodbye to Steve, our previous vicar, and perhaps there is a temptation to feel a bit lost, as though we don't have a leader. But in fact, as Paul says, we are only human. Steve has been such an inspiration to so many people, but he was and is only human. Fabian and the other vicars in Whitstable team do a great job, but they are only human. And our new vicar, whether they may, wherever they may come from, will have their strengths and their weaknesses. But indeed, they too will be only human. We must try to avoid being like the crowd in this passage and remember that our true leader, our sole focus and purpose is God, just like it was for Paul here. We all have a responsibility to play our part in this our church community, particularly at this time of vacancy. But maybe it might help us to explore what we can do beyond that too. But we are all only human, sharing our joys, our sorrows, our triumphs, our vulnerability. Dare you to do that one, and me our hopes and our fears as we learn about, search for, and encounter God together. Right. I should have got a bigger one, but here's the rub. Paul's humanity and the fickleness of the crowd is exposed Public opinion twists and turns, and crowds are as quick to condemn as they are to worship. We just need to look at the news at the moment again to see that. That's true today, as it was in the Gospels for Jesus, as the adoring crowds on Palm Sunday were by Friday crying crucify. Sadly, this was also a reality for Paul. 
Last week, Tom looked at how many of the Jews in the northern city of Antioch, there's two Antiochs, we'll look at that a bit in a minute, um, and Iconium had rejected Barnabas and Paul's message. The mission partners had been forced to leave to escape stoning. However, we are now told that this was not a passive problem that they had left behind in Antioch and um, Iconium. These Jews had followed them and tracked them down and turned the initially adoring crowds of Lystra against them. We are told that their worship turned to hate as Paul was stoned, dragged out of their city and left, assuming that he was dead. Preaching the gospel and living a godly life certainly provokes a reaction. At times, this can be great, miraculous and fruitful. But in reality, it can be tough. A path fraught with opposition, challenges and suffering. We are called to follow Jesus' example and look where that can lead and look where that led. We've just thought about that as we took communion together. Paul himself quoted Jesus when he returned to Lystra after all of this. And he said, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. We live, as Paul did, in a broken world. And sometimes it's really hard. We know that ultimately God has overcome death and darkness. That is the conclusion and that is our hope. But right now, we are still living in the final chapter. That hasn't quite come, although we know it will one day. We can't quite imagine the fullness of it. But we're still in that final chapter leading up to that amazing conclusion. And as it was for Paul and Barnabas, we will and do face opposition and challenge in our journey as individuals and as a church For Paul, this marked a turning point. Prior to this, Luke, who wrote Acts, puts Barnabas' name before Paul's on this mission journey and whenever the two of them are really talked about together. But from the point that Paul is stoned, Paul's name is mentioned first. He suddenly becomes the more kind of senior figure, the person who is pulled out as perhaps a future leader of the church, someone to look up to. Perhaps it's kind of even, it's kind of something he needed to go through to, 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 to get to that place, that point where God could really use him for what he had planned. I don't know. But there's something there perhaps to think about. And as his response, and his response is amazing as well, as he gets up, went back to the city before leaving the next day. I don't know that I'd have the confidence to do that. The last thing I'm going to bring out of my bag is this. Paper chains of people. And that represents the church. Despite Paul's suffering 
and the opposition that they faced, the church continued to grow as the word spread to new countries and communities through Paul and Barnabas' mission. We are told that after a large number of disciples were won in Derb and other cities, Paul and Barnabas returned to Lystra, Iconium and Antioch. Despite the risk, they went back to strengthen and encourage the new community of believers. They appointed elders to lead and care for these communities. And we are told that with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord. Once again, we see encouragement being held of high importance to the point that Paul and Barnabas are prepared to put themselves in danger to encourage the churches. One thing that's really challenged me is that encouragement is a theme that has been drawn out a lot in this sermon series, particularly when we've been looking at Barnabas, who is an amazing encourager. But something has been held up as important at this, particularly something that's held up as important at this time of vacancy. And it's true, it is so important. But this level of encouragement is more than a simple pat on the back or a casual opportunistic remark. Although those things are great and we still need to keep doing them, obviously, this encouragement was intentional and it was risky. Paul and Barnabas travelled back to a dangerous place to provide encouragement. I'm not asking anyone to endanger their lives, but how far would you go to encourage someone this week? How could we step out of our comfort zone to maybe encourage or support someone or a community, maybe Lucerne, in a way that is perhaps more intentional or more costly? We are told that Paul and Barnabas then returned to their home church in Antioch. Now, that's the other Antioch. That's southern and it's based in Syria. Um, it's a vibrant worshipping community um, that, that they were commissioned to go on their journey from, kind of their home church at that point. They reported what God had done and spent time in fellowship. Notably, God was at the centre. They gave everything that they'd done back to the believers and it was prayed about and taken really seriously. And I think that's a really important thing to share that communication as a church. When, when something amazing has happened, it's really important to bring it back, to share it with our fellow believers so that we can all be encouraged and inspired and listen to what God wants to do next because he doesn't just stop. It also shows how important it is to spend time together as a community. Next week, we're going to Ashburnham, many of us, and... That's an amazing opportunity for us to spend time as a, as a community, worshipping God together, but playing together, eating together, um, just having fun together. And that's across all the congregations of the church, so that's really, really good. But there's people who won't be going, and there's times when it's really hard for us to work across our church because it's so big, and there's three different congregations if not more, if you include why and some of the other activities that happen more perhaps peripherally. How can we get together as a community and really spend quality time together? 
Anyway, let's go back to the beginning. And that thought of a place where God was close to you. You know, that is so important to you. It's your experience, your story. We've been talking about Paul's story, that he was able to go back and share with his church. But wherever you find yourself in life, whether you kind of can relate more to the boots, perhaps you're journeying, perhaps you're working really, really hard, maybe not be able to see where it's all going, but it's just bogging you down a bit. Maybe it's a scarf. Maybe you feel at the mercy of the crowd. Maybe you're in that crowd. Maybe you're the victim of the crowd. Maybe it's a stone. Maybe you're in a really hard place at the moment of pain. Or maybe it's the church. Maybe you feel really enveloped by the church, welcomed by the church. Maybe you don't fit in with the church. Wherever you are, your story is important. Use it to help you face suffering. Go back to those places where you met God, where you encountered God, where you thought, yeah, this is amazing. This blows me away. And use it to share your faith, just like Paul did. In verse 17, when Paul was talking to the crowds um, about the fact that they weren't gods, he turned it around and he said, yet, talking about God, he said, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven and crops in their seasons. He provides you with plenty of food and fills your hearts with joy. Those are just the kind of things that may have influenced your stories. Hold on to them. Suffering is inevitable in life, and our roots and the strength of those roots will affect the response that we have to suffering and enable God to be able to use us to provide fruit in a world in need of the hope that we can offer.